So like I said, we're going to continue the series. Uh, and I encourage you all to make notes because I will be taking a step deeper uh, in terms of teaching content compared to what we've had so far. Uh, I know some of you are new, but hopefully it will be simple enough for, for um, you to grasp what we are teaching on. And so um, today I'll be teaching on the believer's authority slash identity. So who we are in God, uh, what that means for us, our responsibility, and, and just our purpose. Um, so if I was to ask, how many of us are, are aware of our identity or purpose um, in God? You can confidently say you know who you are. Again, there. Again, there. Sorry about five people. I'm okay. So this is for you. So I believe that the truth of, of your authority as a believer in Christ is absolutely crucial, you know, for, for this journey that we, we call life. And I believe for many reasons, of course, but it's interesting that one of the first things that God does, or, or, or wanted to do anyway, after he created man, was to share his authority and responsibilities with man. And so if God goes as far as to you know, share his kingship with his people, I think it's important that we, we also understand why, why he did that and what that means for us. And so let's quickly turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. And like I said, please do make notes because we'll be going through a lot of scripture today. Are we all there? Wonderful. Thank you, guys. And it says, then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So not only have we been created in the image of God, and therefore have identity as sons of God, which I'll get to, but we have also been given authority over the earth and responsibility for it. You see, responsibility comes with authority. Now, notice that God didn't, didn't, didn't say, just live your life however you want and then, you know, just die. <laughs> but, you know, he said, subdue the earth and have dominion over it. You know, God's, God's not going to take care of our planet for us. That, that's our responsibility. Well, so if God shares his authority with us so that we can rule with him, you know, I mean, so, so God does share his authority with us so that we can rule with him because... What king or queen, which we all are, which I'll get to, does not have authority? So the question then becomes, what is what I'm calling the believer's authority, and how do we walk in it? And I think the best way to answer this is to look at how the one who gives us this authority reigns himself. So if you look throughout scripture, we find that God himself rules with authority and power. So let's break this down. What is power? Power is the capacity or the ability to do something. Very simple. Power is the capacity or the ability to do something. Now, authority is the right to do something. Authority gives you the right to do something or use that power you've been given. So God rules with all power and all authority. Yes? So let's turn to Matthew 28, just to give some examples of what Jesus says about this. 
Matthew 28, verses 18 to 19. And Jesus says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus says in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. So first Jesus is saying, all authority has been given to me, to him. And then he says, I'm, giving, I'm sharing with you all the authority that's been given to me so that you go out and do as I have commanded. I'm sure we've all had the phrase that goes something along the lines of, if we have all authority, then the enemy has none. You know? So what Jesus was establishing here was, quote, unquote, a new thing which was never accessible in the Old Testament. But because of Jesus, we have been given the same power and authority like God. Now, of course, that doesn't mean we are God. Okay. But what it does mean is that it brings us closer to the fullness of who, who we were created to be. To, who, to God's intended original design for us. Are you still with me? Wonderful. Now, there is an aspect of authority that's not often taught. And that is, yes, we have all authority. We have all authority. But that does not mean we have the permission to do whatever we want, however we want. And this mainly applies to spiritual warfare and things of that nature, you know, where we try to engage in, in um, something we haven't been given permission for. But I have found that this is often because uh, of our character. What I mean by that is often a lack of, I guess, purity or humility or choosing fear over peace and things of that nature. But what all that means is that we end up being ill-prepared. If, if some of you may, may recall that um, story in the Gospels where Jesus sent out the disciples and then the disciples tried to cast out the demon, but they couldn't do it. And they came back to Jesus and complained and they said, we couldn't cast out the demon, how do you do it? And he says to them, what does he say? He says, this kind only comes out by what? Prayer and fasting. But let me tell you, it's not the fasting itself that cast out the demon. Because anyone in this world can fast. You don't have to be a Christian to fast. Science endorses fasting. There are many religions, believe me, I'm Asian, I know. Many, many religions, many religions endorse fasting in this world. Instead, it's during that time of fasting when you align yourself with God more than you were previously and then allow him to prune you, to mold you, and to release what we would call strategies or ideas for how we can then overcome demonic influence. That is when you are prepared, and then you have received permission. So it's never the case that you lack authority or you lack uh, power or that you're not strong enough. It's never the case that the enemy is bigger than you or stronger than you. It's just that you haven't yet let God prepare you and your heart. Let me tell you, you know, say, saying no to something that God hasn't said yes to isn't cowardly. It's wisdom. It's wisdom. Now, that being said, it's also important that we don't confuse authority with our identity. Your identity is not your authority. Your identity is that you are a son of God. You are kings and you are queens who rule with God. And you have the creator of the universe living inside of you. That is your identity. 
And it's because you are a son of God, you have authority. Now, I say that we have, that we have the creator of the universe. We have God living inside of us because the belief of, of indwelling spirit, which I'll, which I'll explain, is actually a core tenet of our faith. Just actually, I'll read it for you. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 says, But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. In other words, at the point of salvation, is when we gave our lives with God and we accepted, accepted the Holy Spirit, it's a sense that our spirits became one with God. So it's a sense that our spirits almost fused with the Spirit of God. So therefore, we now have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Now, what this means for us is that the very same God um, of, the, of the universe who lives inside of us, therefore, we can see him and we can hear him, what he is saying. Now, this is important because God is not interested in buildings. This, this is not the house of God. God is interested in building people because you are the house of God. In fact, the Bible says not only are we the house of God, but the Bible also calls us a gate. It calls us a gate. And I'm sure most of us are familiar with the story of Jacob you know, in Genesis 28, where he has a dream. And in the dream, he sees a ladder or a, or a stairway that reaches up to heaven. And he's seeing angels ascending and descending from heaven. And then, so he has this dream, and then in verse 17, it says this. It says, he was afraid, and he said, this is Jacob speaking, how awesome is this place. There is none other than the house, this is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. So now we've established that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, yes? And that there are gates through which God and his angels ascend and descend from heaven to earth. And let me, move, let me move on to Psalms 24, verse 7. Let's, let's turn to there in our Bibles very quickly. Psalms 24, verse 7. And it says this. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Let's read that again. Lift up your heads, your gates. Whose heads? Lift up your heads. So who are the gates? We are. So it's our inheritance. I put it this way. It's our inheritance to see the very same God who sees us. It's our inheritance to bring heaven onto earth. You know, what are the first two lines of the Lord's Prayer? It says, our Father who asks, who's, who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. So it's this, it's this idea of we are lifting our heads to God. And second line, it says, um, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it, is, as it is in heaven. So we are ushering in now the king of glory. So it's our inheritance and responsibility to bring heaven onto earth into our every context. Whether it be uni, workplace, home, ministry, church. It's our responsibility and inheritance to bring heaven into every context we are in. Are you also with me? Wonderful, wonderful. I told you we're going a bit deeper with this. You see, we are also the only created beings in the entire universe that have all power because of the Holy Spirit inside of us. And we have all authority because of Jesus. You see, even angels and, and demons, they only have power. 
you know, they don't have authority because they were never created in the image of God. You know, you see, at the time of creation, uh, if you read, if you read the creation story in, in Genesis, God says, let us create mankind in our image. When he said, let us create, he wasn't talking about angels. He wasn't talking to the angels when he said, let, let us create. He's talking to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And so even the angels and demons don't have authority, all authority like we do. And that is what the enemy is afraid of. Because you are, and I mean this literally, you are everything the devil ever wanted to be. You know, if you remember the story of, of how Satan fell, and Isaiah tells us he was cast down from heaven uh, like a bolt of lightning. But why was he cast down? He was cast down because he thought he could be like God. There was pride in his mind and in his heart. So God cast him down. But God didn't stop there. God then proceeds to land on the very same earth. He cast the devil down to. He stops there. And he says to Jesus and the Holy Spirit, let us create mankind in our image in front of Satan's face. Because you are everything he ever wanted to be. So your very existence is torment to the devil. Your very existence, because you are everything he ever wanted to be. But it's also fascinating that not only are we the only created beings that have all authority and power, but we are also the only beings in the entire universe who live dual dimensionally. Let me explain. So we live in two places at the same time. So, not, so of course, not only did God give us the responsibility to subdue the earth and have dominion over it, but the Bible also says that we are seated at the right hand of God. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Verses 4 to 6. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 to 6. If you don't know where Ephesians is, it comes after the book of Revelation. (laughs) And Paul says in verse 4, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us, seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So Paul is emphasizing that through Jesus, we have also been seated in heavenly places. And because we have been made one with Jesus, like we've already established, and are seated with him, we are now considered co-heirs with Christ in God's kingdom. So what it means for us is that we now should and we, and we now carry this almost top-down perspective where we now stand, sorry, top-down perspective where we look from the perspective of God down into our situations. You know, so gone are the times where we have to sit there and, and beg God for breakthrough. You know, gone are the times. Instead, I believe we stand in the victory of Jesus that he won for us on the cross. And we stand with God in that victory. And uh, as we pray, we speak into every situation in our lives. And let me also say this, of course, doesn't neglect the need for you know, persistent prayers and intercession and, and travailing prayers and things of that nature. I say that because as you begin to understand how God works, you realize that sometimes when you declare something into a situation you're going into, God often releases a seed. He won't release the final product. Not every time. And so, for example, if you have been declaring into your finances or declaring that your family should be made whole and you haven't seen anything, 
yet. Don't lose heart because you have sown a seed and surely it will come to pass. And I can say that because the Bible says that, w- that through Jesus we are more than conquerors. In fact, let's turn there. Romans 8, verse 37. Romans chapter 8, verse 37. And Paul says, No, in all these things we have been made more than conquerors through him who has loved us. Now, I'm sure we've most of us have heard this, this verse in our lives. But have you ever asked yourself, how is it possible to be more than a conqueror? How is that even possible? Is conqueror not the one who achieves and receives everything? But you see, one who, is, who conquers, one who is a conqueror, I would put it this way, he is like a king who would go out and wage war against many kingdoms, and he will receive victory. He will take their treasure and their, p- and their possessions and bring it back home. That, that is the conqueror. That's someone who has conquered a kingdom. Yes? But now one who is more than a conqueror is like the wife of that king. Because she gets to sit back and enjoy all the treasures and all the possessions that the king has brought back home. That is you and I. As the bride of Jesus, we get to enjoy the very victory that Jesus won when he paid the price for us on the cross. And so we get to stand in that position of victory in our authority, and speak into every situation in our lives. And therefore, we are more than conquerors through Christ. Are you still with me? Wonderful. Thank you, Justin. Now, I just wanted to change gears for for a couple of minutes because I believe one of the greatest limitations to us walking in, in the fullness of our authority is, is, is the unrenewed minds. And so we have to renew our minds that we can, so we, that we can be free from belittling or, or limiting or negative thoughts and instead gain a new perspective where we can begin to look through the lens of God. So let's turn in our Bibles to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I'm sure we've all heard this verse before. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And Paul says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, the pattern of the world that Paul is referring to here are what we would call, I guess, the systems of the world in contrast to those of God's kingdom. By systems, I can tell some of you get what I meant. By systems, all we mean is different uh, uh, sectors or different structures of the world. You can think of something like um, um, different religions or like financial structures, science, any, any, any structure or system of the world. Does that make sense? Wonderful. And so everything that we do uh, uh, with our flesh or sin or anything evil that we will consider evil, fits within this paradigm of the world that Paul is referring to. And then we read in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, where he says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. But I want us to ask ourselves, does that actually make sense? Because if I was to ask you to define what your heart is, would would you say that your heart is able to think? 
Is it, is it not our minds that we were thinking? But it's, we see, I think, biblically speaking, there are, there are two types of, of uh, heart or mind, sorry. Because see, the Hebrew word for heart that's used in this verse, in Proverbs 23, verse 7, actually, if you were to translate it, actually refers to the subconscious mind. And so Solomon, who wrote this, this verse, is saying that you are, as a person, whatever is within your subconscious mind. And so your subconscious mind now becomes your heart. So whoever or whatever controls your, your heart will control your life. Whoever can get enough information into your subconscious mind will control you. It says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So this is what God tells us and encourages us to stay away from evil things. Because once something has been uh, downloaded into your subconscious mind, even when you're not conscious of it, it is still poisonous to you. And that's why the Bible warns us, saying above all else, guard us, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Because if you don't control what is in your subconscious, in your conscious mind, it will then become cemented in your subconscious mind. And that's how, and then what's in your subconscious mind is in your heart. And that's how you build strongholds. I'm sure some of us in a more Pentecostal, charismatic world have heard that we're strongholds before. But this is how they're built. And that's why now Jesus comes in, in Luke chapter 6, and he says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So we need to be careful what we are letting into our minds. And that's precisely why Paul tells us that it's through the renewing of our minds that we are transformed. Paul also says in Romans 8 verse 6, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. So if you're lacking peace, let your mind be governed by the spirit of God. So you see, when you have a mind that is focused on the things of God and is consistently in, it, in, it, in his words, so the Bible you will have a life of peace because whatever has fo formed the foundations of your mind will now shape your perspective. Yeah. So, you know, some of us may be wondering how do we renew our minds? I don't have time to teach on the whole thing, but, you know, it's not biologically or humanly possible to actually transform your own mind. But you, you can reform yourself if you wanted to by kind of changing some of your behaviors and things of that nature. But it's actually only through supernatural means you can be completely transformed and made brand new. And so I, uh, my advice would be is through the spending of time reading the word of God and being in God's presence that your mind is transformed. And then you are transformed. Cool. Now coming back to authority very quickly. I want to go back to uh, the first verse that we went to, Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. I want to bring a different emphasis. Let's read it again. And it says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. My point of emphasis this time is the word blessed. In fact, it's quite interesting because the Hebrew word, used for the word blessed, actually the word barak. 
And so if we were to read that again, it would read something like God brought them and so on and so forth. But you see, the root of this word is actually to kneel down. And by implication, it will mean things such as to, to bless, to, to praise, to adore, things of that nature. So now in one sense, God bent on his knees to bless and honor Adam. Now don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that Adam is greater than God or that he is God, anything like that. In fact, this is not the only time that we see this. If you remember, Jesus himself also bent down and he washed the feet of his disciples. In fact, that was one of Jesus' final, and I would say one of his most beautiful acts that he did. Because I believe in that moment as he was washing the feet of his disciples, he was re-showing the devil the stature and the authority that has been given to man and God's people. So then why did God do this? Is it because Adam is greater or that is because he's God? No, not at all. Not at all. But I believe God was physically demonstrating by, by bending down how you are to act when you're in another king's domain, when you're in another king's kingdom. I believe he was physically declaring before all of creation three things. Number one, that mankind has all authority and dominion over the earth. He was, he was showing and declaring and teaching us how we are to treat one another in honor and in respect because we are all kings and queens in our own right. And finally, and worship team, you can come back up now as well and bring it to place. And, f- and third one, God was showing us how we are to act when we enter into God's presence, into his throne. I believe God was teaching us royal protocol. You know, because the Bible says that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Who is the king over? And who is the Lord? It's not, it's not your prime minister. It's not your president. It's us. We are the kings and the queens that Jesus is king and Lord over. And so I'll end with this. A simple, simple, but very important truth. You can only really walk in your authority effectively if you know the one who gives it. You you need to steward well. I would encourage us all to steward well our own personal uh, relationship with God. And I'm quiet for now.